John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. It says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Well, back in May, the United States Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, released an advisory calling loneliness a public health crisis. He writes in his advisory, this is up on the screen, The epidemic of loneliness has been the underappreciated health crisis of our lifetime that has greatly harmed individual and societal health. It should be prioritized among the most critical of public health issues, such as tobacco use, obesity, and substance abuse. Loneliness is one of the most significant dangers to our life and society. And it is only getting worse. With every generation, we get more and more lonely. Millennials, 71% of millennials claim to be lonely often. 79% of Gen Z report experiencing loneliness often. That's four out of five young people in our country who are chronically lonely. And loneliness is not just a problem for singles. A recent report in in Psychology Today revealed that over half of married Americans report feeling lonely. One-third describe themselves as lonely often. This is not some distant or abstract problem. There are people in this faith community who are quietly suffering from loneliness. There are people in our neighborhoods or apartment complexes who are drowning in isolation. There are people all around us who are missing what is most essential to a meaningful and healthy life, that is deep relational connection. So the core value, we've been going through our core values as a community, and we have six core values, and the one that we're looking at today is no one alone. No one alone. We believe that we were created for relationship, relationship with God and relationship with each other. We believe that relationships are essential to life, that we cannot live the life that God has for us without a sense of belonging and connection to other people. And disconnection from others is literally killing us. God's vision for life is that it would be a shared journey, that we would not go through life alone. In fact, we will see in in a few moments that isolation is incompatible with God's vision for our lives. We were created for relationship. So we're going to explore this value in three parts. Okay, the first one 
uh, we are going to show how relationship is core to God's identity. Relationship is core to who God is. Secondly, we're going to show how God's deepest desire is to be in relationship with us. And third, we're going to show how our relationship with God is inseparable from our relationship with one another. So that first one, relationship is core to God's identity. I don't know if that's something that you've thought about, okay? but at the very core of who God is, he is relationship. So on the first page of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Oh, thank you, Isaac. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, and this will be up on the screen in a moment. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that are moving along the ground. Now, I don't know how you imagine the scene, but at first glance, it seems a little odd. Okay, who is God referring to with the pronouns us and are? And he does this again in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. It says, And God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. What complicates things even more is that the, the Hebrew word for God, I don't have a, a dry erase marker, that's okay. The Hebrew word for God used in these verses and elsewhere is Elohim. Okay, Elohim. Elohim, if you've heard that word before, it's a, it's a plural word. Okay, the singular form of that word is Eloha or Eloah, I'm sorry, Eloah. So God's title in these verses is plural. He refers to himself with plural pronouns, but that's not always the case. God is often referred to in the singular. Just one verse later in Genesis 1 verse 27, the narrator switches back to singular pronouns, using, referring to God as he and not them. So what's going on here? Well, on the first pages of scripture, we see that there is both a singularity and a plurality to God. God is one and God is multiple. As we read on in the Bible, it becomes clear that God exists as three individual but relationally united persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We refer to this as the Trinity, now, my guess is not many of you have spent much time thinking about the triune nature of God, the Trinitarian nature of God, and conversations around the Trinity can get abstract and theoretical very quickly, but there's one clear and very practical implication that we can take away from this aspect of God's nature, and that is that at the very core of his identity, God is relationship. God is this beautiful union between Father, Son, and Spirit. This is so core to God's nature that if you take away the relationship, you no longer have God. Relationship is essential to God's identity, love, connection, intimacy, unity, belonging. These things that we deeply long for and often lack are core to who God is. I love this quote by Jared Wilson in his book, Unparalleled. He writes, a solitary God cannot be love. He may learn to love. He may yearn for love, but he cannot in himself be love since love requires an object. 
Real love requires relationship. In the Trinity, we see how love is part of the fabric of creation. It is essential to the eternal need-nothing creator. From eternity past, the Father and the Son and the Spirit have been in community, in relationship. They have loved each other. That loving relationship is bound up in the very nature of God himself. Relationship is core to the identity of God. And very early in the story of Scripture, we learn that this relational bond between Father, uh, Son, and Spirit extends beyond the triune community to us. God deeply desires relationship with us. That's our second point we're going to look at. So from the very beginning, we see this desire in God. The, The creation story is not about God creating the world, then sitting back to watch from a distance. God creates the world to be our shared home, one in which he would dwell with us. This is core to our understanding of the story of the Bible. In the beginning, heaven and earth weren't separate spaces. It wasn't God's space over here and our space over there. They were united in the Garden of Eden. God was with his creation. He walked with his people. There was shared life, shared home, shared purpose. God created us to be in relationship with him. And even after the humans are exiled from the garden, they have to leave the Garden of Eden, the shared home with God. It's always God who continues to pursue relationships, starting with Abraham in Genesis 12 to the nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament, all the way to Jesus, God himself coming to walk with his people again. Over and over, God pursues a people who have repeatedly shown that they are not worthy of his love, that they don't want to be in relationship with him. And he provides a way for us to be with him, to speak to him. I love this verse in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. It says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Not as a master speaks to a servant, not as a king speaks to his subjects, not as a a divine being speaks to his created mortal beings, but as a friend speaking to a friend. The God of the universe, the one who created you, wants to be your friend. And what we get a glimpse of with Moses, we see fully in Jesus. Jesus, God himself, becomes the friend of sinners, as it says in Luke 7. In the passage we read earlier that we'll return to in John 15, Jesus calls us his friends. In Jesus, God is is in this physical, intimate relationship with the humans he created, walking with us as he did in the garden, sharing meals, sharing homes, sharing life. Not because we deserve it, not because we wanted it, but because he wanted it. God's deepest desire is to be in relationship with us. And thirdly, and lastly, our relationship with God is inseparable from our relationship with one another. When we read about Adam in the garden, it's interesting. He seemingly has everything he could need. He lives in this beautiful paradise. He has an endless supply of delicious fruits and plants. He has unrestricted access to and community with his creator. But there is still something missing. 
He has everything that he could ever need or want, yet God says there is something that he lacks. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God looks at the man and his situation and says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Think about the implications of this statement. God is saying that relationship with him alone is not enough. Even though relationship with God is a core and essential need for life, there is still something that is missing. In order to truly experience the fullness of life that God has for us, we need relationship with one another. It is not good for us to be alone. It is not good to be isolated. It is not good to be relationally disconnected from people. So we need relationship with God. We need relationship with one another. But how are these needs connected? Okay, this brings us back to the passage that we read in the beginning, which will be up on the screen. John chapter 15, verse 12. Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, equals, partners for everything that I have learned from my father. I have made known to you. Okay, now we know that relationship requires reciprocity, right? Relationship, it's a two-way street. You cannot be in relationship with someone unless they choose to be in relationship with you as well. Okay, have you ever had a friend and you found out one day that you weren't their friend? Okay, it's an uncomfortable situation. It's probably happened to you back in kindergarten, but it sticks with you. Okay, relationships must be reciprocal, including our relationship with God. But how do we reciprocate our relationship with God? If Jesus calls us friends and it is a reciprocal relationship, how do we return his friendship? What do you give back to the one who has given you everything and needs nothing? How do we love and return the one who is perfect love? Well, Jesus says here in John 15 that we reciprocate his friendship when we do what he commands. What what does he command us to do? He says it twice. Love each other, right? Love each other. In other words, we reciprocate God's friendship to us when we are friends to others. We return God's love to us when we love each other. Our relationship with God is inseparable from our relationship with one another. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in tongues but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understanding and all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move a mountain but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor but do not have love, I have nothing. You could spend all your time praying all your time reading the Bible, all, the, all your time serving the poor and do, doing all sorts of religious activities. But it means nothing if we are not in loving relationships with one another. It is that important to God. We need each other. We need loving relationships. We need intimate community. It is not good for humans to be alone. Yet so many of us are. And we are missing out on the life that God has for us. So how do we respond 
to this. If relationship is fundamental to Jesus's vision for our lives, then you cannot be alone. You cannot be isolated. You cannot be disconnected from other people and be experiencing life in the kingdom. They're incompatible experiences. So how do we step into these essential relationships? Well, first, I think it's important for us to understand why we struggle to find these deep relationships. So here are three things that kill relationships. Okay, the first is busyness. Okay, busyness. I came across this definition of adult friendship earlier this week. Adult friendship is two people saying, I haven't seen you in forever. We should hang out over and over again till one of you dies. The reality is many of us are too busy to have meaningful relationships. And the insidious thing about busyness is that it is a wonderful distraction from what is really going on inside of you, meaning you could be totally alone, totally isolated, starved of any amount of intimate connection with others, and you would have no clue because you're too busy to even notice. If regular intentional time with real humans doesn't fit into your busy schedule, if relational connection doesn't make it on your list of priorities, you will not have any meaningful relationships. You may not feel lonely now, but one day it will hit you. You are alone. No one really knows you, and you don't really know anyone. You have not taken the unhurried time required for intimate and vulnerable relationships. How many unhurried and unplanned hours did Jesus spend with his disciples? It was like all their time together was just this unhurried, unrushed time. Busyness kills meaningful relationships. The second relationship killer is dependency. A dependency. Not all relationships are life-giving, healthy relationships. And one way for a relationship to become very unhealthy is when that person replaces God in your life. Or you replace God in their life. When we look to each other to get what we can only get from God, whether it is identity or worth or security, then that relationship has replaced God rather than pointed us to God, which is what our relationships are supposed to do. Now, this can get tricky because, as I said earlier, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another are are inseparable. They're very closely bound. And relationships, just by nature, are unavoidably risky because you are opening yourself up to someone to give and receive love. But there's a difference between vulnerability and dependency. We are able to take the risk of vulnerability with others when we are firmly rooted in our relationship with God and we become dependent on others when we are not. Dependency kills relationships, and the last relationship killer is a lack of intentionality. You cannot make a friend by accident. You might become acquainted with someone by accident, but building a healthy relationship, whether it be with a friend, a mentor, or a spouse, takes intentionality. It takes two people saying, we are going to work towards this together. So consider, consider this question. I mean, just... We don't have to show hands, but how intentional are you about your friendships? How intentional are you about building community? How intentional are you about investing in certain relationships that you feel like God has called you to? 
Intentionality means that when life gets busy or hectic or you don't feel like investing in your relationships, you still do because there is mutual commitment. There is a shared understanding that this relationship is important and it is worth the work. We understand this hopefully about marriages, but what about your friendships? Hey, what about those relationships with others who are investing in you or you in them? A lack of intentionality kills relationships. So there are three things that kill relationships. Now, very quickly, here are three things that are necessary for healthy relationships. The first one, the opposite of busyness, is time. Time. Relationships require unhurried time to share life together. This is so important. I just wanted to find a way to say it twice. Okay, we need to make space in our lives for relationships. You should never be too busy for friendship. Because at the end of your life, you won't be thinking about the work you've done or the things you've accomplished or, God forbid, the time you spent on your phone or on looking at the TV or your computer. Okay, you'll be thinking about the relationships that you've made, the friendships, okay, your, your, your marriage, relationships with your kids, relationships with mentors or mentees. We must make time for meaningful relationships because that is what matters in life. The second thing that is necessary for healthy relationships is shared mission or shared purpose. Okay, C.S. Lewis writes in his book titled The Four Loves, friendship arises out of mere companionship. When two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some vision or interest or even taste, which the others do not share, which till that moment each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden, the typical expression of an opening friendship should be something like this. What? You too? I thought I was the only one. This is why those who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Love that last line. A relationship is a shared journey. You must be going in the same direction. The bond between two people or a community of people who have a shared mission or purpose is so much stronger than people who are just hanging out. I mean, think about Jesus and his disciples. The community that they built was built around a mission to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And the bond was so strong that almost every single one of Jesus' disciples willingly died to carry that mission forward. Shared mission is necessary for meaningful relationships. And lastly, and Brian and Nicole and Ethan can make their way up here. Lastly is formation. Okay, true relationships are formational. They form us into the people who we were created to be. This is true of every relationship and every relationship forms us differently. This is why it is important to have friendships with peers you can listen to the podcast that I did with Foy on Anam Kara, the importance of having spiritual friends, relationships with mentors who offer wisdom and experience to you, as well as relationships with people who you are investing wisdom and experience into. Each of these relationships form us differently, and we need all of them to grow in love, wisdom, and devotion to God. Meaningful relationships must be formational. 
So I know all of that was a lot. I'm not sure what each of you need to hear tonight, but I, I do know that we need to start by believing God's words spoken in the garden. It is not good for you to be alone. The life that God has for you cannot be experienced outside of deep relational connection with others. As Cindy Lou Who says to the Grinch (laughs) in the 2018 animated film, the best one in my opinion, you've been alone long enough. It's time to start taking relationships seriously. It's time to start taking community seriously. We need to lay down our fear of rejection. We need to put aside our busy schedules. We need to take the risk of vulnerability with others. If not for you, then for those around you, it is not good for us to be alone. So during this time of worship, um, we're just going to open the table here now. And I, I invite you to come to the table whenever you feel led. And I just want us to realize that the table is a place where we make this bold claim that we are eternally united to Jesus in his death and resurrection. But there's another claim that we make when we come to the communion table. And that is that we are united to one another. When we eat from the same loaf and we, we dip our bread in the same bowl, we are declaring that we are one in Jesus. The question then for each one of us as we leave the table is this, are you actually going to live like that is true? Are we actually going to live like we are one in Jesus? Father, I pray uh, just for each person in this room and those that couldn't be with us tonight, that we would not allow loneliness and isolation to keep us from the life that you have for us. That we would prioritize relationship with you and relationship with one another over our busy schedules or our goals or dreams or whatever it is that we have on our plate at the moment. And that we would make the time needed, the time that is necessary for intimate, vulnerable, deeply connected relationships with those around us. As we come to the table together, Father, I pray that you would make that true in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.